reproductive health care has changed dramatically in the last year and a half since the Dobbs decision in June of 2022. And for any listeners who might not be familiar with what happened then, essentially the Supreme Court ruled that people no longer had the right to decide to have an abortion in this country. For this uh, Cocoa Pods podcast episode, we are fortunate to have with us today, fortunate because this is somebody that has a strong passion for medical education to help improve current gaps or questions in adolescent health care, Dr. Elise Berland, MD, MPH. Dr. Berland is a lead author in the policy statement article by the American Academy of Pediatrics that was published on August 29, 2022. The publication was on options counseling for pregnant adolescent patients. So basically what this means is that she knows a lot about what a teenager should do when she finds herself pregnant. So Dr. Berlin, can you introduce yourself and your background in pediatric adolescent gynecology and welcome. Thank you. Welcome and thank you for coming to CocoaPods podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Sogade. It is a pleasure to be talking with you today and also to be in conversation with all of your listeners. So hello to everybody and thank you for listening. So I am a pediatrician. And I have a specialization in taking care of adolescents and young adults. And I have focused my career on really helping young people access quality sexual and reproductive health care. So I take care of young people in a clinical setting. I started a contraception program at Nationwide Children's Hospital that's called BC for Teens. And it provides within a reproductive justice framework, the same day access to all of the contraceptives that are available for young people. So they can really come in and get the contraception um, or contraception counseling that they want to have. And I am a researcher as well as an advocate. And I also work in public health around promoting you know, healthy pregnancies and reducing unintended pregnancy and reducing infant mortality in my community, which is in Columbus, Ohio. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. So to my listeners out there, here's the scoop on teenage pregnancy statistics. That is the stats. You know, I want you, my listeners, to picture this. Over the past 30 years, the rates of teenage pregnancy have gone through a bit of a roller coaster, hitting the lowest point in more than 70 years back in 2017. It's like a trend setter in reverse. But reality check, folks, many teenagers are still doing the baby dance every year. And we keep trying to keep those numbers on a downward slope. So, Dr. Berlin, why are less teenagers actually getting pregnant in this day and age? So that is a really great question. And fortunately, some research has been done to understand what has led to the declines in teenage pregnancy rates. 
The first thing I do want to say, though, is that the views I'm going to express today just reflect my own, you know, personal views and understanding, and they don't reflect my employer and the American Academy of Pediatrics. So get to just listen to what I understand and know. And so what we have found is really that there have been dramatic declines in teenage pregnancy rates. And the main reasons are two. For one thing, teenagers are actually engaging in sexual intercourse less than teenagers in the past did, and they are delaying sexual activity until they are a little bit older. So fewer teenagers are sexually active, and those that are are waiting till they are a little bit older. And the number two reason is access and use of modern contraceptive methods. And so as more and more folks are using contraceptives or birth control methods, it's not surprising to see that unintended pregnancy as well as teen birth rates and pregnancy rates are declining because the methods that we have available right now are very effective. Wow. Thank you so much for that. What usually happens? What are the outcomes of the pregnancies of those teenagers that do get pregnant? Okay. So fortunately, this is a good news, right? So young people are generally the healthiest of any age group. So Although there are some medical risks that we'll probably talk about a little bit to young people who are pregnant, the good news is that most young people who are pregnant and continue a pregnancy have a healthy pregnancy and maintain their health during the pregnancy. Wow, wow thank you. You know, so guess what else is on the decline? Teenage abortion rates drop to their lowest rates since legalization. And for my young and lay listeners out there, when abortion is legalized, it means that the government has made some laws or enacted some laws or changed some existing ones to allow women to seek and receive abortion services under specified conditions. So the teenage abortion rates have hit their lowest point since they got the green light. Now, here's the power move. Pediatricians have the skills and tools to swoop in with a quick pregnancy diagnosis for their teen patients and dish out non-judgmental advice that covers the whole pregnancy playbook. It's all about giving them, the young people, the 411 on every option in the most supportive way possible. So Dr. Berland, how should a healthcare provider, for instance, a pediatrician like yourself, an OBGYN like myself, a family physician, a healthcare provider that takes care of teenagers, how should they counsel a teenager mm-hmm. or her family members when they have found out that she is recently pregnant? Yeah. So what a good question. A couple things I like to share with people to keep in mind, and I think your listeners will already know this, that learning about a positive pregnancy test or that a person is pregnant usually is a pretty pivotal moment in someone's life. 
the good news is this is not an emergency situation in most instances. And so I think what healthcare providers need to remember is that the most important thing that a patient and their family is going to remember is how they felt when they were talking with you. They want to feel respected. They want to feel understood. They want to feel supported. Insofar as we can do all of those things with setting the stage for a calm, quiet, supportive conversation involving parents or caregivers when they are present and when the young person wants to have them involved for providing reassurances to the adolescent that you care for that patient, regardless of the direction and options that she chooses, that you are there to provide unconditional support for her and that you will respect her choice. You know, all of these things, just those are non-medical you don't need to be have gone to medical school to understand this, right? This is a critical, generally non-urgent time, but so important to really provide all of that support and listening and care for your young people and their families. That's wow. where I would start. Right. Now, the teenager might not agree that this is not an emergency with all that. Right. But you <laughs> know that. It, 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 right. In their head. Right. Their life might be on fire. Like the the lightning bolts are coming out of the clouds and they're they're freaking out. But I say that so that you know as the healthcare professional that what she needs is from us calm because she is not potentially experiencing calm, but we can provide that to her in a supportive way. So she feels all of that care that we have for her. Right, thank you. You know, are there laws and policies that guide these minor adolescents and all their healthcare professionals in doing this counseling? Well, this is a tricky question because the laws and the landscape around reproductive healthcare has changed dramatically in the last year and a half since the Dobbs decision in June of 2022. And for any listeners who might not be familiar with what happened then, essentially the Supreme Court ruled that people no longer had the right to decide to have an abortion in this country. And we know that abortion is healthcare and that healthcare is very important for women, for our lives, for our families. Um, and abortion is part of you know what what we as healthcare providers know is really critical for people. Can I, as a healthcare professional, choose not to counsel one of my teenagers that becomes pregnant? So since Dobbs, we have seen a variety of laws in the States that may limit or attempt to limit the support that healthcare providers can offer to their pregnant patients. Um, And even before Dobbs, you know, there were a variety of laws that defined what kind of healthcare services minors could consent to. So for your listeners who are healthcare providers, it's really important to know kind of what the rules are within your institution, what the laws are within your state. I would say broadly speaking, though, with 
just a couple of exceptions. Healthcare providers can provide the standards of care around pregnancy options counseling in most states. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for that. And for my listeners out there, guess what I'm up to personally? I'm I'm on a mission to school the policy big shots, to educate policy makers. I'm waving the flag for reproductive justice principle, really shouting from the rooftops that everyone deserves the power to choose if, when, and how many mini-me's they want and the spacing of their children. We are all about schooling folks on the ABCs of reproductive decisions and making sure everyone has the education and the VIP access to health services. We plan to empower those decisions, one policymaker at a time. So Dr. Barron, with a pregnancy diagnosis, the pediatrician and the young adolescent may engage in dialogue to discuss pregnancy options. What are the options available to a pregnant teenager? And I'm going to go straight to the next part of this question. And really, can a teenager be this mature for this kind of abstract and future thinking? So the first part of the question is, what are the options that young people face with a pregnancy? And there are really three primary options. The first option, and and I would say to healthcare providers, it's really important to present the options in a non-biased way and kind of refraining from personal judgment. We all have biases, every single one of us. That is part of being a human being. The practice of medicine here requires that we do our best to understand our biases and to hold them inside and not let the patients know kind of what our biases are because we have them. So in a non-biased framework, you do want to present the options to a patient and really in no particular order. So the first option is to continue the pregnancy and parent. And so young people who choose that option are encouraged to access prenatal care as early as possible because we know that makes a really big difference in terms of preventing prematurity and reducing infant mortality. So for young people, continuing a pregnancy and parenting is an option. Continuing the pregnancy and then choosing an alternative such as adoption or kinship care is also an option. It's not an option that many young people are choosing, but for some young people, that is the option that's right for them. Adoption is a formalized agreement. Most adoptions these days are open adoptions, which means that in some capacity, the adoptive family can have contact with the biological parent. The other word I used there was kinship care. And kinship care is really a less formal relationship, usually with family members who may provide support for the parenting person. The third option for a pregnancy is really termination of the pregnancy or abortion. And, you know, abortion is in all cases safer than having a pregnancy. Adolescents in 
many states do still have rights around abortion care. And I think we'll talk about this a little bit later. And there are some important aspects of abortion care that are more complicated now to navigate since we don't have a national right to abortion. Thank you so much. So which one of these options do the teenagers choose the most? Would you know statistically? Yeah, for sure. So most teenagers um, and most, most humans choose to continue the pregnancy and parent a child. And as I mentioned earlier, most teenagers do have healthy pregnancies and healthy babies. Okay. However, one of the risks that we didn't talk about is that, you know, having a pregnancy can interrupt an adolescent's education. So we know that that's one of the risks of pregnancy. So for young people who are going to continue their pregnancy, I think it's really important to think about making sure they are able to continue their education and their vocational goals. Thank you. You know, so as you have just discussed the option most pregnant teenagers choose to do when they become pregnant, that makes me think of some additional questions, Mm -hmm. like what are the potential health concerns that we should be mindful of for this teenager who is expecting? What are the clinical risks? And number two, you did mention some of the unique challenges to the adolescent parent, you know, like interruption of vocation of, of schooling education. Next episode. What are both the health concerns and the other life concerns that a pregnant teenager should be aware of?